Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, we all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. I cannot be certain which scumbag I hate more today, Joe Scarborough or Samuel Alito. The grotesque, unfeeling, inhuman, arrogant, condescending, holier-than-thou attacks on John Fetterman for not healing fast enough from a stroke to please the slime of our society like Joe goddamn Scarborough almost defies description. John Fetterman's ability to communicate, Scarborough wrote, is seriously impaired. Pennsylvania voters will be talking about this obvious fact, even if many in the media will not. This is painful to watch regardless of one's politics. Who in the hell do you think you are, Scarborough? Everybody who has ever known you, Anybody who has ever known any of the 10 or 20 different Joe Scarboroughs who have darkened our horizons, everybody knows your ability to communicate has been seriously impaired for 30 years. Never mind Joe Scarborough's impenetrable dialect and frequent malapropisms. What he has said through the length of his public career has been painful to watch regardless of one's politics, and it has rarely been the same thing twice. Things he has said have not been honest, they have not been true, they have not been consistent, they have not been anything but self-serving and destructive. And unlike John Fetterman, 
who in his debate Tuesday night was about 10 times as coherent as Herschel Walker and 20 times as coherent as Donald Trump, and who was still less painful to listen to than Mehmet Oz claiming that a woman's fundamental right to have an abortion should be decided by herself, her doctor, and local political leaders. Unlike John Fetterman, who has gotten better, is better, and who is getting better still, there are no mitigating factors for the impenetrable unintelligibility of Joe Scarborough and the fact that he has not been the same person for three consecutive years running at any time in the last three decades. There are no mitigating factors for whatever is going on in Joe Scarborough's mind at the moment or is not going on there. First, Joe Scarborough was a doctrinaire prostitute for Newt Gingrich, regurgitating poorly memorized buzzwords on the House floor, pushing the Gingrich contract on America, and perpetrating the assault on democracy that was the Clinton impeachment. Then Joe Scarborough suddenly and without explanation quit Congress. Then, Joe Scarborough resurfaced on MSNBC, spewing the standard diseased mind garbage of an anti-democracy Republican on television, while off television, constantly lobbying management for favors for Republican friends, calling the Democrats, quote, the party on the side of death, unquote, interfering with what was said and who appeared on other shows on his network, threatening to accuse his own employers of prejudice against him because he was a conservative, attacking his co-workers in public and getting away with it, though it was a violation of NBC rules. Then he stopped thinking that way, too. Suddenly and without logic or explanation, Joe Scarborough morphed overnight, again, from right-wing primetime firebrand to calm and sage morning both-sidezer. The transformation defied logic and defied the orderly processes of an uninjured mind. And it was not the last transformation. Suddenly Scarborough re-re-reinvented himself as the man who was going to mainstream Donald Trump to the MSNBC audience in 2015 and 2016. And in that whitewashing of Trump, Scarborough never once addressed the obvious fact that Donald Trump's brain has never worked correctly, and whatever has been secretly wrong with it for decades, it worsened perilously no more than 10 years ago. Joe Scarborough never once asked Trump, why do you say things that make no sense? He never asked, have you had an aneurysm or concussion? He never asked, have you used drugs, Mr. Trump, that can interfere with or damage your cognitive ability? Scarborough never once said, Donald Trump's ability to communicate is seriously impaired. Voters will be talking about this obvious fact, even if many in the media will not. And after months of desperately positioning Trump as a realistic candidate for president and not insane nor dictatorial nor a threat to everything America stands for. After months of seeing Trump in private, after months of advising Trump in secret, suddenly and without explanation, Scarborough's mind abruptly changed again. A re-re-re-re-reinvention as a fervent never-Trumper. 
And just as quickly as if there were no copies of his fawning interviews with Trump or his vacuous wife's fawning interviews with Trump or their sycophantic visits with Trump or the infamous photo of Scarborough and Trump both doing Trump's inane thumbs up gesture, Scarborough tried to pretend, believed in his own dubious mind that nobody would ever remember that during the critical months in which the media transformed Trump from an unacceptable destroyer into just an eccentric rule breaker, that he, Scarborough, had been one of Trump's many media whores. And Joe Scarborough's attack on John Fetterman is somehow even worse than it seems, because for every American, every human being recovering from any illness, any injury, any physical problem, any emotional problem, but especially a stroke or an aneurysm or Alzheimer's or just a concussion, Joe Scarborough's attack on John Fetterman was a slap to all their faces. The brain is fragile, incredibly precise, incredibly resilient. And John Fetterman's performance Tuesday night was miraculous and inspirational, especially if you have ever been touched, even in the mildest of ways, by head trauma. I have told this story before. At the age of 21, I stupidly ran headfirst into the side of a New York City subway train. Fortunately, I escaped with nothing more than a serious concussion. Nearly all the symptoms cleared within six months, but some pertaining to depth perception and vision are now in their 42nd year. And I do ocular muscle exercises that help considerably. In fact, I did them this morning. But less than an hour after I hit my head at the emergency room in Elmhurst Hospital in Queens, I was asked at the desk to provide a family contact. I selected my father. I gave them his likely whereabouts with no problem. I gave them his phone number with no problem. I gave them his name, Theodore, with no problem. And then the nurse asked me for my full name, and I could not, for the life of me, remember my middle name, Keith something Olbermann. My middle name is Theodore. The brain is so fragile and its functions so delicate and so precise that I could immediately, after a serious concussion, remember that my father's name was Theodore, but it took me literally hours before it came back to me that my own middle name was Theodore. And instead of looking at John Fetterman and saying, he's still fighting it, but God damn it, his recovery is astonishing, Joe holier than thou Scarborough, Joe quit Congress Scarborough, Joe break up other people's marriages Scarborough, Joe don't ask Trump if he's stoned or brain damaged Scarborough, Joe my brain won't let me be the same person three years in a row Scarborough attacked Fetterman attacked people who criticized him for attacking Fetterman, attacked the media who would not attack Fetterman, and then welcomed as a guest on his show a man who used to literally pretend to have hearing and vision problems in order to get away with interrupting his guests, sabotaging his co-hosts, and making inappropriate remarks to women, Chris Matthews. Scumbag. Joe Scarborough scumbag. And I'm still not certain he's worse than Samuel Alito. 
addressing the Heritage Foundation and what in the hell is a Supreme Court justice or a part-time judge in the smallest county in this country doing addressing a right-wing semi-fascist advocacy group, addressing the Heritage Foundation, Justice Alito, revealed he is not merely the most dishonest man in America, but potentially the stupidest. The leak of his draft in which he lied and overturned Roe v. Wade anyway, quote, was a grave betrayal of trust by somebody. The leak also made those of us who were thought to be in the majority in support of overruling Roe and Casey targets for assassination because it gave people a rational reason to think they could prevent that from happening by killing one of us. Putting aside for the moment, the fact that the only individual who ever took any steps towards that calamity stopped himself, called the cops, told them he was suicidal, and asked them to come get him before he did a terrible thing. Putting that aside for a moment, the vote in the court was six to three. If any one of the six had stopped being a Supreme Court justice by dint of death, resignation, impeachment, fleeing the country over his wife's role in the coup, whatever, the vote would still have been five to four. Unless, Sam Alito, you know something about that vote and the leak and who leaked it and why that you are not telling us, like if the leak came from your clerk's office or Thomas's clerk's office or Coney Barrett's clerk's office, and Alito has also lied again. He said he welcomed criticism of the court's decision. That's why he gave the speech in Rome, trying to humiliate everybody who criticized the court's decision, I guess. But, quote, to say that the court is exhibiting a lack of integrity is quite different. That goes to character, not a disagreement with the result or the reasoning. It goes to character. Someone also crosses an important line when they say that the court is acting in a way that is illegitimate. That's not just ordinary criticism. If you tell the Senate you believe in precedent and privacy and you tell Ted Kennedy to his face to ignore your previous memos attacking Roe v. Wade because you were just ambitiously angling for promotion in the Reagan administration and then you overturn Roe v. Wade, you don't have any character. You don't have any legitimacy. You don't have any integrity. You have, what were your words, Justice Alito? You have a grave betrayal of trust. There is, in fact, no excuse to permit the Supreme Court, excuse me, the Supreme Republican Religious Court, to continue in its present form, nor for Alito to continue to serve on it. Maybe he can resign and we can replace him with Joe Scarborough. You didn't know Scarborough was a lawyer. Sure. In 1993, he was the lawyer from Michael Frederick Griffin. And it was on March 10th, 1993, that Michael Frederick Griffin went to the Pensacola Women's Medical Services Clinic in Florida and waited for an abortion provider named Dr. David Gunn to walk past him. And then he shot him three times with a shotgun in the back. And the lawyer who defended Michael Frederick Griffin was Joe Scarborough, scumbag in the law, scumbag in Congress, 
scumbag on television to John Fetterman and to every American who is differently abled. I'm not sure, did I get my point across there about him being a scumbag? Still ahead on Countdown, speaking of which, Herschel Walker pressured another woman for another abortion. As a mock sign somebody put up yesterday says, if you're here for the Herschel Walker rally, please wait in the line on the left. If you're here because Herschel got you pregnant, please wait in the line on the right. You know that supposedly neutral TV network news nation, the one Chris Cuomo washed up on? Just fired a reporter for asking the boss why they carried a two-hour Trump rally. Yeah, that's neutral. A little problem for the new chief of the New York City Marathon. She was once testing positive for performance-enhancing drugs. And it is the 43rd anniversary of the day I had to call a Hall of Fame athlete for an interview, and he answered the phone in a falsetto voice, pretending to be one of his own employees. That's next. This is Countdown. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Chris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. This is Countdown with Keith Oberman. Still ahead on Countdown, how many women did Herschel Walker impregnate? Or to cut to the chase, next. The National Review Online quotes a Dr. Oz voter whose male partner then says, all the Democrats will be killed. And they publish it anyway. Waiting for the Yankees to fire their manager? Keep waiting. And speaking of how many, how many home runs would Willie Mays have hit had he not been drafted in his second season? First, in each edition of Countdown, we feature a dog in need whom you can help. Every dog has its day. Forgive me for fixating on the heartbreaking news that the kill list at the New York Pound has 25 dogs on it. But can you help Coda? Coda needs pledges to help a rescue save her in time. After seven years, this playful and energetic 45-pounder got a little sick, wouldn't eat, so naturally her humans took her to the shelter to let her die there. She's recovered physically, and now she needs a bunch of angels. Coda will be in the pinned tweet on my account for dogs in need. Tom Jumbo Grumbo, your donation, big or small, will be gratefully welcomed, as will your retweet of Coda's story. And thank you very much. Postscripts to the news, some headlines, some insights, some snark. Dateline early voting headquarters. The NDN think think tank reports early voting is 16 percent higher than the surge that led the Democrats to upset wins back in 2018. And nationally, the early votes are even more Democratic than in 2020. It was 52 percent Democrats in 2020. It's 54 percent thus far this year. The state by state numbers are also hopeful in Texas early voting in 2020 was 48-41 in favor of Republicans. This year, it's 48-43 in favor of Democrats. Also, morning consults, Wednesday generic congressional ballot for Politico, Democrats 47, Republicans 45. Dateline Washington, clarification on what the Department of Justice wants out of Cash Patel. Testimony about Trump's claims that he declassified all the stolen documents. More importantly, the New York Times reports Patel's attorneys want immunity for that, which means Patel is willing to testify against Trump. Dateline Mar-a-Lago, Politico reports they finally found some Trump lawyer to accept the subpoena to testify before the January 6th committee. Dateline Atlanta, Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, the human voicemail of January 6th, has been ordered to testify to the Georgia grand jury investigating Trump's attempt to subvert the election outcome there via the Eastman coup. 
Dateline Salt Lake City. Guess the first Utah Senate debate did not go so well for Senator Mike Insurrection Lee. Fox News proposed a second debate between Lee and Evan McMullen, and Lee has runaway hiding. Dateline Manhattan Beach, California. Boy, were they surprised at the headquarters of Skechers yesterday. Kanye West walks in with cameramen recording, apparently looking for a new shoe company to sell his sneakers after Adidas dumped him. The Skechers people had him escorted out of the building by guards. Yeah, obviously, this ends with Kanye selling shoes door to door. Now what? Dateline San Francisco and at Twitter headquarters, Elon Musk spotted, apparently on the verge of finally sealing that deal. He was videoed in the lobby saying, quote, let that sink in while he was carrying a sink because he's funny. Or at least that's what the sycophants around him tell him. Sure, boss, carry a sink into Twitter. That'll that'll be epic, dude, boss. And Dateline Dallas That is where an anonymous woman, another anonymous woman, says Herschel Walker urged her to abort their pregnancy in 1993. She says she didn't want to. She says he insisted and drove her to the clinic. He says it's not true. Quote, I've moved on just as he did as a father. Bizarrely, even for Herschel, Walker added, quote, I also want to let you know I didn't kill JFK either. So far, every other defense he's offered for his countless scandals has been a lie, so suddenly I'm not so sure about the JFK assassination. And Dateline right-wing echo chamber, while interviewing Senator Rick Scott, commentator Hugh Hewitt says of Walker, he does better and better. He's gotten so good, unquote. Gotten so good? At what? Insemination? This is Sports Center. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In sports, there are three stories. They are all from New York. Honestly, I didn't plan it. I don't even like it this way. They're just the three most interesting stories. Aaron Boone whom I met for the first time when he was 13 years old, is apparently going to return as manager of the New York Yankees, even though they were just eliminated for the fourth time in eight years by the Houston Astros. And they have won exactly one World Series and played in only three World Series since the year 2000. The Associated Press quotes owner Hal Steinbrenner is saying, I believe he is a very good manager. I don't see a change there. About 10 years ago, the Yankees banned me from their press box after I wrote that I would not be convinced that Hal Steinbrenner was actually the son of my friend, the voluble and successful Yankee owner George Steinbrenner, until I saw the results of a paternity test. It was a huge move for the people who run the New York Marathon. Chairman George Hirsch is stepping down, so Nena Lynch was stepping in. She would become the first woman chief of the New York Roadrunners and the first African-American chief and the first former star runner chief. And, as the New York Times now reports, the first chief who would be barred from running in the marathon. 
because she once tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. The New York Marathon has a zero-tolerance policy for dopers, although they do listen to appeals. Lynch was busted in 1996 for asthma meds that could double as stimulants. No comment from Lynch yet, but the Roadrunner statement indicates this info is new to them, which is a bad look on top of another bad look. And this is especially tough for me to say, since I was a New York Rangers hockey fan from 1968 through 2021. But congratulations to the Long Island Islanders. Since I was in college, Rangers fans have chanted something about Islander Hall of Famer Dennis Potvan. They chanted it when he played for the Islanders. They chanted it when he no longer played for the Islanders. They chanted it when the Rangers weren't even playing the Islanders. And now Dennis Potvan has turned it into a merchandise gimmick with 10% of proceeds going to charity. The product he is selling is called Potvan Socks. Think about it. Coming up, so I had to call Willie Mays to ask him about him getting banned from baseball for working for a casino. No, seriously. That was a long time ago when that used to be an issue. The thing is, the voice that answered his phone sort of sounded like him, only it also sort of sounded like a woman. Things I promise not to tell coming up. First, the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze, Louis DeJoy, the schnook Trump appointed to destroy the post office and derail voting by mail, finally has 43 scalps on his belt. A U.S. mail truck the size of a small Jeep caught fire near Albany, Georgia. Nobody hurt. But the truck is a total burnt-out shell, and so is the mail inside it. And authorities believe among the mail, 43 mail-in ballots. Fox News is panicking over this and election security, and suddenly Marco Rubio from his Florida debate doesn't sound quite so crazy after all, does he? There's danger involved in drop boxes. People need to think about it. Okay, imagine if someone decides, oh, there's a drop box. I'm just going to put some explosive in it and blow it up and burn all of those ballots, and now those votes don't count at all. Blow them up good. Blow them up real good. Wait. How did Marco Rubio know that there were going to be burned ballots? Hmm? Hmm? The runners-up News Nation, the self-proclaimed centrist TV news operation now in its second year and having gotten absolutely no traction or audience yet, despite having hired Dan Abrams and now Chris Cuomo and being so centrist that they run Trump rallies live for two hours at a time. In a press conference call with News Nation President Michael Korn, News Nation's own New York reporter Paul Gerke got on, and Paul Gerke asked Korn about why his network covered a Trump rally while it advertises itself as unbiased, and yet it ran the thing raw. No host, no analysis, no correction of Trump lies. So, naturally, President Michael Korn of this neutral, objective, centrist News Nation network responded to reporter Gerke's great questions by firing him. But our winner, NRO, National Review Online, 
You think Joe Scarborough's John Fetterman coverage was reprehensible? I'm just going to read part of this NRO report about the Pennsylvania Senate race from Duncannon, PA, verbatim, quote, Registered Republican Kathy Louch also said she plans to vote for Oz and cited crime as her top concern. National Review's discussion with Louch was cut short when a man she was with began ranting that January 6th was not an insurrection and that 7 million Americans will eventually rise up and kill Democrats. National, sure her guy promised a kind of genocide against Democrats, but her quote was too good not to use review. Today's worst persons in the world! Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're gonna get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you, here on Next Question, it's going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. to the number one story on the countdown on my favorite topic, me, and things I promise not to tell. And this has been a somewhat uh, fierce edition of the program, so let me do something here at the end that's a little lighter. October 27th is the anniversary of one of the damnedest interviews I ever did, and it was with Baseball Hall of Famer Willie Mays. Every time Willie Mays' name comes up, I think of two things. One is that interview at my first job for my first radio network, and like I wasn't scared enough, he did a bit that if I'd have done it, they would have fired me on the spot. The other thing is an amazing injustice that befell Willie Mays that nobody talks about. Okay, so it's a Saturday afternoon, October 27th, 1979, just 43 years ago today. And Willie Mays has just been banned from baseball because word has gotten out that he has signed a contract to do promotional events for an Atlantic City casino, and there's a press conference coming up on Monday. I know, try explaining this concept to any current sports fan now used to seeing retired players on TV, not just telling them to bet on games, but telling them how to bet and who to bet on. Plus, even then, this made no sense. It was like three months after Willie Mays had been inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Three months. Now he's being banned for life for something that today the commissioner of baseball would send him a note of congratulations and a paycheck. So anyway, nobody has done an interview with Willie yet because he has been traveling and my phone rings in my little cubby hole at United Press International's radio network. Three months that, coincidentally, was how long my full-time broadcasting career had been to this point. And on the phone is maybe the top baseball reporter of his day. Keith, it's Milt Richmond. This man once reported in July 1955 that if the Milwaukee Braves didn't start winning, that they would fire their manager exactly one year later. They didn't start winning, and exactly one year later to the day they fired their manager. That's how good Milt Richmond was. Keith, write this phone number down. It's Willie Mays' home. He's expecting your call for an interview about this banishment story. I squeaked, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I went into one of our recording studios and I dialed the number. And I will not recreate the voice that I heard answer Willie Mays' phone because while doing this voice was once considered to be a staple of American humor... Even American humor written or performed by liberals, James Thurber's short stories are full of this voice. The voice is wildly racist. It is racist enough that if today you heard an African-American man do this voice, you might still say, eh, nah, still racist. It is a voice similar to that of the actress Hattie McDaniel who won the Academy Award in 1939 for Gone with the Wind, who was a world-class blues singer, a top patriotic fundraiser during World War II, who played maids 
housekeepers in maybe 200 films. She also played one on a famous radio show and was paid so little that while she was performing her role of the maid, she had to keep working as a real maid. Anyway, I'm 20 years old and I have to interview Willie Mays about him getting banned from baseball. By the way, getting banned from baseball at the same time they were banning Mickey Mantle from baseball for doing promotional announcements for a casino. And I call Willie Mays' number and I'm shaking like a leaf and the phone is answered and a gravelly but feminine voice that sounded exactly like Hattie McDaniel says, Hello, Mr. Mays's residence. And I am a little thrown by this. But I power through and I explain who I am and she says, uh-huh, and I say where I'm calling from and she says, uh-huh, and I say Milt Richmond said Mr. Mays was expecting me and she interrupts me and says, this is Willie. The Hattie McDaniel-like impersonation was done by Willie Mays. Now, I do not have this on tape. Silly me, when they said you could never start recording before you got express permission from the interviewee to start recording, I believed them. Anybody else would have a tape of the phone being answered and that impression done by Willie Mays. I'm afraid you will have to take my word for it because why would I make this up? October 27th, 1979, and honestly, I still haven't recovered from Mr. Mays' residence. Now, the injustice about Willie Mays that nobody talks about. This is something else no fan believes today. The U.S. military used to draft Major League Baseball players and NFL players and NBA players and other athletes and send them into the service in the middle of their seasons, in the primes of their careers, even if there was no war in progress. Now, they only did it a couple of times after, say, 1945, and usually that was thinly veiled racist political pressure, like when they drafted Muhammad Ali in 1966, when he was heavyweight champion of the world and an activist Muslim and 24 years old when everybody else who was getting drafted was 18. Remember? But in 1952, they drafted Willie Mays. Willie Mays had come up from the minors the year before and led the New York Giants from 13 games back to the National League pennant and was the kind of all-around whirlwind of a player nobody had ever seen before. And on May 29th, 34 games into his second season, boom, he was drafted and inducted and he missed the rest of that season. And he missed all of the 1953 season. They didn't draft Mickey Mantle who also broke in, also in New York, also in 1951. And to be fair, Mickey Mantle had about 400 medical problems, but they also didn't draft 1951 American League Rookie of the Year Gil McDougald of the Yankees, who was a white guy, or Walt Dropo, who was the Rookie of the Year in 1950 and was a white guy, or Roy Seavers, who was the Rookie of the Year in 1949 and was a white guy, or, or, or you get the point. Now, trying to calculate should-have-beens and would-have-beens in sports is a risky business, but you can get a statistical approximation. If a player hits 20 homers in his first season, 
then misses two years, then comes back and hits 41 homers in his first year back, you can extrapolate from that that he probably would have hit 27 homers in the first missing year and 34 in the second missing year. Your numerical sequence is 20 homers, then 27, then 34, then 41. You have to tinker a little bit with it in Mays' case because he did not miss all of 1952 just from June on, and he had a slow start. He only hit four homers in the first two months of 1952. So instead of 27 that year, maybe he only hits 24. So a good guess as to how many homers Willie Mays did not hit because he got drafted and all the other guys didn't. The good guess is all told he missed the chance to hit 54 homers that he probably would have hit. In real life, Willie Mays finished with 660 career home runs. For most of the 1960s, it was thought he was the man who would challenge Babe Ruth's career home run record, not Hank Aaron, but Willie Mays. Willie Mays hit 660 homers, but if you give him the 54 more homers he might have hit if he hadn't been so curiously drafted in 1952, Willie Mays finishes with 714 home runs, which is exactly how many Babe Ruth hit. 714. So no drafting, and maybe in 1972 and 1973 and 1974, we are seeing Willie Mays hit his 700th home run and challenging Babe Ruth, and coming down the stretch, and tying and breaking Babe Ruth's record, and then right behind him, Henry Aaron hits his 715th homer, and then his 716th homer to break the all-time record held by Willie Mays. I've done all the damage I can do here. Since you've listened this far, please help me out. Spread the word. Tell somebody about this podcast and get them to subscribe. Here are our credits. Most of the music, including our theme from Beethoven's Ninth, was arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel, the Countdown Musical Directors. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel, guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray, and produced by TKO Brothers. Some other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olbermann theme from ESPN2, and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis and appears courtesy of ESPN Inc. Musical comments from Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever, and our announcer today was Larry David. Everything else is pretty much my fault. So that's Countdown for this, the 660th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Arrest him now while we still can. A new episode tomorrow. Until then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. 
We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, we all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 